Thank you very much. Like our brother has said, my name is Imbumi Makuku, and I come from Kenya. Let me just say it's a great privilege uh, to be with you on this Sunday. Uh, usually back in Kenya, we preach in Swahili uh, or in a mixture of Swahili and a little bit of English. And today, I have the task of trying to speak everything in English. Uh, so please, if I go amiss in my English, just ask your neighbor what is he saying, okay? Uh, or ask me later, what were you saying? Uh, I will not take offense at that because uh, English is our third language for most of us. Uh, we learn it in school and most of us don't learn it very, very well. So please forgive me uh, where I mess. And I will also forgive you when you mess trying to speak Swahili. <laughs> yeah, I come from Kenya. Uh, that's where God, in his purposes, allowed me to be born. And when we read, like in the book of Acts chapter 17, uh, we hear from Paul telling us that it is God who has set for each one of us the bounds within which one was to be born. And many of you were born in America. Many of you, your ancestors were born out in Scotland. And even for us back in Africa, we are the recipients of God's great mercies upon the Scottish people uh, because Patrick, like you know, is not a Kenyan name. Uh, it's somewhere from the British Isles. And God has used the nation of Scotland in a huge, huge way in bringing the gospel to Africa right at the onset of the British conquering the continent. And so you go to places like Zambia, Malawi, Ghana, uh, Kenya, the Presbyterian churches are very, very, very huge because of the faithfulness of the Scottish people and their sacrificial love in coming over, many of them never to go back, dying from, from malaria to bring to us the gospel. So we are grateful to God and to his church over the centuries because we can look back and see the continuity of the faith. And I'm also very grateful, even before I begin, uh, to Golden Isles Church, our Linkage goes back to many, many years uh, through the Reverend Dr. Carl Dotsbach and Debbie uh, when you supported them to come over to Nairobi, Kenya. I was just finishing high school then and had got my call to go into the ministry to be a pastor at the age of 17. And so when I was finishing Bible school, God brought our brother Carl and Debbie and they nurtured me, they mentored me, uh, they took me under their wings, and even when Carl was coming back to the States because of some issues with his, the health of his child, Jesse, uh, one of the things that he did was very magnanimous to me, was to leave me 
all his books, his library. So we go back a long way. When I was getting ready to marry, I had told God that I will serve him for 10 years as a bachelor, as a single man, uh, because I knew the situation in which I found myself in. I knew that it was not going to be easy to be a young pastor with a wife and children. So I went to God and told him, please, Lord God Almighty, let me go through everything, every danger, every trial, every affliction for 10 years as a single man. But Lord God Almighty, when I get to the age of 30 and I marry, please take care of my family. Let them not go through what I am going through. And so God was very, very gracious that when I was about ready to marry, uh, Carl Dorsbach had talked to me about some of the good things in our cultures that will allow the marriage process to go smoothly. And one of them was the fact that one, as a man, you paid dowry. You gave dowry to your in-laws as a token that you are able to care for their daughter. And so Carl, through this church, through one of the members, was able uh, to get one member to commit himself for over 10 years that when I'm ready, he will give money for six cows, six sheep, uh, six goats, and a few chicken thrown in. So <laughs> we go back a long way. We go back a long, long way. I am very grateful for your support for us over the years, and I pray that that support will continue to even grow stronger as for us we serve the Lord back in Kenya. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I came into ministry because of the prayers of my grandfather. For us, we believe in covenant theology, and my grandfather was a preacher with the Anglican Church, the Episcopal Church in Kenya, which is very, very evangelical. And he was among the first believers from our Luya tribe that borders the border with Kenya and Uganda. And he came to the Lord at a very, very young age, and God called got called to be a pastor, to preach all over Kenya, to preach the gospel. And God, through his one wife, Esther, God allowed him to have 17 children. I only have two. I don't know if I'll be able to get to number 17, uh, but I'm still on number two. And of those 17 children, God allowed my grandfather to pray that among the grandchildren, O oh Lord God Almighty, please give me a pastor. Please, Lord God Almighty, give me also a soccer player. Uh, he loved God and he loved his wife and family and he loved the church and he loved as number four soccer. Most of us in the rest of the world are crazy about soccer. So in the month of June, man, we were crazy concerning soccer. And so God allowed that prayer to be answered in my family. At the age of 16, I became a believer. There was an American evangelist in our neighborhood who had come to preach in open air meetings. 
And on the last day of that week-long meeting, I gave my love to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus found me, and at the age of 17, one year later, he told me to dedicate my life into serving him as a pastor. So God has been very, very gracious in answering that prayer, and also my younger brother, my only brother, became a soccer player for one of the big clubs in Kenya, and also for our national team for over 15 years. And because God is very, very generous, a lot of my cousins also went into ministry. Uh, some have been the president of the Navigators, two of them, quite a number are on campus ministry, are reaching the nation with the gospel. So I am grateful that through you as a church, we can continue to serve the Lord back in Africa. My wife is called Martha. Uh, we have two sons, Elma and Isaac. Elma has just begun college out in Covenant, Chattanooga. So I came over and it was a good excuse for me to be able to come and say hello to you. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you very much. Let's turn to the Bible, the book of Numbers, chapter 23, and I will read verse 18 to 20, but we will only look at verse 19 because of time. This is what the Bible says, and Balaam took up his discourse and said, Rise, Balak, and hear, hearken to me, O son of Zippo. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Behold, I received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot revoke it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This for many of us is a familiar passage in the scriptures. It is a passage that for many of us in our Christian pilgrimage, in our Christian journey through this life, we identify with closely because Numbers is a book concerning the wilderness journey of the children of Israel before they get to the promised land that it is a book that is written to them, uh, read out to them by Moses just before they get to the verge of the Jordan. And in Deuteronomy, Moses will again remind them of the commandments of the Lord, of the great deeds that the Lord God Almighty had done after he redeemed them from Egypt. And so as a book that enables us even now as believers many, many centuries later, thousands of years later, it helps us to identify very closely with it because most of the situations that the children of Israel found themselves in are things that we closely relate to. The times of thirst, the time when they were going hungry, the time when the sun will come down upon them, the many times that they will they will give up hope and will want to go back to Egypt. There are many times even in the family 
of Moses himself, his sister and brother, will spring up and bring a rebellion against his leadership. And also the many, many times that the Lord will give them water, the Lord will be able to send them manna, the Lord will defend them and fight for them against the enemy. Those are things that we relate to over and over and over again. And as we continue to walk on our pilgrimage into now not a physical canon, but now to be with the Lord Jesus, the book of Numbers as the rest of the Bible encourages us over and over that there are those that have gone before and God has allowed them to successfully uh, finish the journey well for his glory. And along that journey, things that were hidden from the sight of the children of Israel, but things that were taking place behind their backs in the unseen, Moses is able to tell them some of those things that were happening that as they were going into the land, the nations that the Lord God had told them to go and fight against and conquer, they were not just sitting still waiting for the Israelites to arrive on their border and then to begin fighting them. Because the word had already gone out that the nation of Israel, as they came through, they were basically invincible they were basically unconquerable, that the Lord God of heaven who had brought them out of Egypt was going ahead of them and fighting for them and beginning to subdue the nations before them as a fulfillment of the promise that he had given to Abraham. And so the nations are aware. And some of the passages that we read, they are aware and they begin to tremble they begin to be very, very frightened and they are at their wit's end. And so they try to find out what they can do to be able to stop this nation that was now coming and surely was going to subdue them and take their territory. So in this session, section that we are in, uh, there is the king Belak of Zippo he knows that the nation of Israel is coming and he does not wait for them to get on his borders, but he goes out in the ancient world at that time to go to look for a soothsayer, to look for a false prophet, for a seer, to look for a diviner so that he will be able to put a curse on the children of Israel that he, Belak, unlike all the other nations that had been conquered, that he will be able to, sub, to survive. And so he seeks for the greatest diviner, greatest soothsayer at that time, Balaam, offers him a lot of money, a lot of inducements, and three, four times, Balaam tries to curse the children of Israel, and at every turn, the Lord God Almighty is able to thwart any curse that he will have on the children of Israel. And he actually tells Balaam, who thought that as usual, it was going to be business as usual. But when he goes to Balak, God himself comes and talks to him and tells him that you will only tell Balak that which I tell you. And so the false prophet, going about his usual business, 
is surprised by the true God who is able to overturn any curse that you will have on the children of Israel. And so out of the enemy, enemy's mouth, that which was supposed to harm the children of Israel, God is able to use this man to be able to tell the children of Israel about the Lord God Almighty that they were serving, the Lord that they were walking with. And so, in this chapter, Balaam himself now talks. Uh, he was, like Peter says, a mad prophet. And when a donkey talked to him, he took it as part of his normal conversation of life and he talked back to the donkey as if it was a usual thing. He wasn't surprised. And just, just shows you the extent of his madness. If my little dog and cat back in Kenya talked to me, I will be very, very fearful. <laughs> but God is even used, able to use an animal to bring some sense into the mad prophet. And so in the verses that we have read, God begins by saying that he is totally unlike man. He is totally different from Balaam. He is totally different from Balak. He is totally different from the children of Israel. He is the Lord God Almighty who is seated high up on heaven and that the children of Israel and other human beings are all here on earth and that the distance is, that is between us and him is so great that he is totally transcendent, totally other, that he alone is the one who is able to initiate any conversation and contact with us. And so through Balaam, he points out that he is not a man. He is God the creator of heaven and earth, of things visible and things invisible. He is the Lord God Almighty who by an outstretched arm had taken the children of Israel out of the clutches of a superpower. He had sent plague after plague after plague until Pharaoh was able to realize that it was futile to continue to fight against the Lord God Almighty who had all the elements in his power and in his sovereign act, he could direct even um, his plans to come to pass. It is a God who knew what the enemy was doing and whatever stratagem the enemy tried, whatever project that the enemy came up with, even though the enemy, like the Bible tells us, that the Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, here God tells us that no matter what the enemy tried, God was totally in control. No matter what project he came up with, no matter how tireless he tried to bring down the children of Israel, God here is telling the children of Israel that they can depend on him because 
he is not a man. He is not a larger version of man. He is not a giant that we project and give him superpower, superhero powers. God is totally beyond our conception, our thinking, and so he tells the children of Israel that because he is totally other from them, they can trust him. That he is eternal, that he has no beginning or end, that he has all of history in his hands, and that because he is totally in control, even when the enemies rise up against them, all that they need to continue to do is to walk faithfully, follow the plan that he has for them, look to him for every need of theirs, because he has their best interests at heart. And so, he is not a man. He is eternal. He is perfect. He is holy. He is invincible. He can be totally be relied upon in every and each situation that we go through as his children. And so, he tells them that they can trust him. He is not a man. They have seen his generosity over the journey. They have seen his protection as he has sent the cloud to give them shade, to give them light at night. He has spoken to them over and over and over. And so their conception of God needs to continue to grow, to be more biblical so that they do not have a character of God or a God of their own making an idol, but that their concept of God will be the God of Moses, the God who has revealed himself in the Bible. Then he continues to tell the children of Israel that he is not just not a man, but that also, unlike man, he is the Lord God Almighty who can be trusted. He does not lie. He does not repent. He can be trusted in what he says. He can be trusted in the actions that he has taken, the deeds that he has wrought, because they are done for the good of his children. And so because he is not a man and he does not lie, whatever he speaks to the children of Israel, that will come to pass. They can depend on his word. His word does not have any defect. His word does not need an editor to go over through it to, to correct things that may not be factually true, but that what he has said, he can be totally be depended upon that his word has no defect at all. It is perfect like Psalm 119, verse after verse after verse continues to remind us. And so as they are reminded that they serve a truthful God, they are also reminded that the idols that Balaam and Balak were consulting, they were actually lies, they were actually vanity, they were totally empty that these were just the creation of man, they were made in the image of man, and that through 
uh, manipulation through machinations, like in this case, Balak offering a lot of money to Balaam, the idol will be able to bring back a message to the false prophets, the diviners and the seers, so that the message was always tailored to the person who had come to the diviner. And God tells the children of Israel through Moses that he can be totally relied on. He is dependable, that they do not need to consult those idols, they do not need to find their will elsewhere, but that in the word that he was giving them through Moses, that when they took that word to heart and then obeyed it and applied it, they will continue year after year, generation after generation, to find that their God was the true and only God. And so he does not lie. He cannot be manipulated. He is not double-minded. He has one will that will come to pass. His redemptive plan through history is flowing through the Lord Jesus Christ, and that plan will not change in any way. He only has plan A. There is no plan B. He does not go back and change things or change statements. He can be totally relied upon for speaking the truth. He is not double-minded. Even mankind, when you want to find out if a person is saying the truth, usually there is a lie de de detector. Okay? Find out if a person is saying the truth or lying. Uh, there are some people I know for sure who can still beat a lie detector. Or they take a polygraph test to find out if they are speaking the truth. Uh, in Kenya, we have corruption at 40% of our national budget. So our president, and God bless him, has just got so fed up. And one time this year, he wanted to put all the procurement officers on lie detector tests. And then the lawyers told him, no, you will be contravening the Constitution, and that put an end to that matter. But usually, man cannot be relied upon because we change. I remember one doctor many years ago, I will not name his nationality for his security's sake, uh, but his first language is English, and he told me that when you see a politician's mouth moving, you know that he is lying. How do you know when a politician is lying? When his mouth is moving. God is not a politician. God does not change his messages to be able to suit us, but he speaks that which is in conformity with his character as God who is true, God whose plans and purposes will come to pass. And so he tells us that we can trust him. Just look, let us look at a few passages from the Bible. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14 to 17, where he gives the promise to Abraham of being a father of many descendants, of inheriting 
great land of having children who will be as the sand on the seashore, as the stars in heaven. This is what he says in chapter 13 of Genesis. The Lord said to Abraham, Abram, after Lord had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which you see I will give to you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your descendants also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent and came and dwelt by the ox of memory, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Okay, turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 21, see how this promise to Abraham has been now full, been fulfilled through Joshua. They have now crossed the Jordan. The land has been allotted to the children of Israel. Each tribe has their inheritance. And Joshua, in his old age, around 120, this is what he says to the children of Israel, chapter 21, verse 43. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land which he swore to give to their fathers, and having taken possession of it, they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sown to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one of all the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed all came to pass. All came to pass. Like he tells Samuel in chapter 3, when as a little boy in answer to the prayer of Hannah, his mother, in chapter 3, verse 19, the writer of the book of Samuel says that all the good promises of the Lord to Samuel came also to pass, not one of them fell to the ground. And so we can rely upon the Lord God Almighty. We can trust him because he does not change. For us, we change. We age. Our faculties, the power that they used to have may not be there. And when you get to be my age, you always walk around with a pen and a little piece of paper so that when you have a great thought, you immediately write it down because after two or three minutes, it's, you are not going to remember. You go to a room and you ask yourself, okay, what had I come to do in this room? <laughs> so you retrace your steps again and then it hits you, okay, this is what I was supposed to do. Because for us, we are creatures. Our fashions will change, our powers will change, the plan that we may have had for our lives will continue to change because we do not have all the information at our disposal. We may have been led astray, we may have been ignorant or ill-informed or we wanted to do things because of our personality and our personality will push us to do those things but at the end we find that there is always change happening in our lives, in our bodies, 
in the plans that we have, in the things that we aspire to do, but God here continues to remind us that he is unchanging, he is eternal, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, like the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 to 8 reminds us. He is the same yesterday and forever. And so we can depend upon him. What he has spoken to us as his children, he is not going to recall it or say, I really didn't think that through. That his promises and his ways for us are ways that are eternal. And as we continue to walk in the plan that he has set before us, we will always find that our greatest blessing is to be right in the middle of what God has called us to do. You look back at your own life, the meandering path that your life took at certain portions of your life. You look back now and you thank God. Thank you, Lord, that you allowed me to go through that. You look at the sicknesses that came and you look back and you say, thank you, Lord, for allowing that. For all the hard things that you went through, you look back and you say, thank you, Lord, because you know what you are doing in my life. You look at the history of your nation, the history of God's working in the nations, and you thank the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Lord, that you allowed our nation to go through this because we can now see clearly what your purposes were. So for us, for example, yes, there were many, many evil aspects of colonialism, but let me tell you that for me, I am grateful to God that we were colonized by the British and not the Portuguese or the French or the Spaniards and not by China. Uh, China is the new colonial power for Africa. <laughs> yeah, they are taking over Africa in a big way. So we can depend on him. He does not change. What he has spoken, he will fulfill because he has the power, he has his plan, and he is ordering everything in such a way that his purposes will continue to come through over and over and over so that at the end of it all, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be able to hand the kingdom over to the Father because God's purposes will have been fulfilled. So brothers and sisters, we have a God who is dependable. As we continue to place the church here in his hands and as we continue to seek his face to continue to do his will, his purposes for this church will continue to be fulfilled and that for us we will just be amazed that he allows us to be instruments that he can use us in our generation, in our time to be able to have those purposes come through. In finishing, when I was marrying, uh, when, I go, uh, when I got my call to serve the Lord Almighty, I went through school, through Bible school, and when I began ministering, uh, Carl Dotsbach 
and others for three years. They helped me with church support to be able to minister. And when I was getting married, one of the promises that God gave me through the word was from Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. That is what I put on my wedding card that Carl Dotsbach had helped me to design. And this is what Isaiah 48, as a promise that God gave me, that time it says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. The Lord who teaches you to profit, who teaches you to prosper, who teaches you to succeed, success in that which is godly, not in terms of material affluence that may come or may not come. The Lord who leads you in the way that you should go. So for me, as I have served the Lord, I have seen him do that. I have seen him provide for my family many a time when there was totally nothing to look upon, when we will put food on the stove and the kerosene will run out, when you will go for three, four, five, six months, there is nothing that has come in. When you will go six, seven months, you are unable to pay the rent. When those that you went to school with had already succeeded in terms of material success, they had families, they were driving good cars, they were already owning their own homes, God has always come through during his own timing. We can trust him, we can depend on him, we can take his word at face value. There is no other alternative. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord stand with you as we continue to serve him. May he be with you. Amen.